Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Welcome back to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. And we are still at the Whiteley Center in the San Juan Islands and looking at, you know, water, rain, green things, shiny things, trees peeling their weird red bark. I know. I really like the peely bark trees. Yeah. Anyway. We will stop talking about trees now and transition into our third principle of relationship anarchy. And we are still going out of order based on Andy Nordgren's original manifesto. So bear with us. Yes. So today's principle that we want to talk about is fake it till you make it. Uh, And it goes, sometimes it can feel like you need to be some complete superhuman to handle all the norm breaking involving in... I'm going to start over, fans. Here we go. <laughs> this is hard. It's hard to read these things. Right? Lots of words, and they're not our And also, they write, and they were originally in Swedish, and then they got translated into mm-hmm. English, and so I think, all right. We have this whole funny conversation about, like, wait, how do we narrate this? Is this what Andy wrote? Is this not what Andy wrote, but a translation? Anywho. Right. So thank you for your patience, friends. Take two. Sometimes it can feel like you need to be some complete superhuman to handle all the norm-breaking involved in choosing relationships that don't map to the norm. A great trick is the quote unquote, fake it till you make it strategy. When you're feeling strong and inspired, think about how you would like to see yourself act. Transform that into some simple guidelines and stick to them when things are rough. Talk to and seek support from others who challenge norms and never reproach yourself when the norm pressure gets to you in behavior you didn't wish for. Yeah. Okay. So, dear Andy or translator, because we don't know, right. <laughs> it's a very relevant place to start in our conversation. I don't love fake it till you make it. I have pretty strong reaction to that. And I desperately want to rename this principle um, to be better aligned with what's actually getting said in it. Um, but before getting to what I want to call it, I want to mm-hmm. pause on why saying fake it till you make it doesn't feel good. Yeah. First of all, saying that we're faking it until we make it to me suggests that there's some ideal out there. There's some right way to do relationship anarchy and you're just trying to find it and you're trying to perform correctly. And so you're going to fake it and pretend. And that just feels like it's minimizing the ways that this practice is a practice and that we're constantly recreating it, constantly evolving. So you're never faking anything. You're just trying and you're practicing and that's exactly the goal so I don't know how does that oh yeah I mean when I was thinking about this and read it I was like this is not my fave and I realized I was reacting to the title more than the content you know we'll talk about some of the content of it as well but this idea of faking it to make it really is so pervasive in western culture right like it's in smile when you don't you know even when you don't want to and you'll learn like Just fake it, you know, in terms of like, if you're feeling insecure about your job performance, and then there's all this mixed research on like power body posturing, like that sort of fake it till you make it like 
stand with your arms over your head in a V and you will feel powerful. Right. Exactly. And sometimes there, yeah, the research is like, yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Like, so there's all those kinds of things. So I, yeah, it's just sounds so extra. Well, fake. Yeah. And not wanting that to be when we're sitting here talking about, we want to disrupt dismantle and recreate the ways we approach relationships, maybe invoking this whole fake it till you make it thing doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite feel aligned with that. Right. Um, and so, you know, some of the things I found myself thinking about that I really want to emphasize, and I may already have used these words and I can't remember now, but <laughs> um, fluidity and self-creation. So when I reread the part of the original uh, statements from Andy or the translation from Andy, so when you are feeling strong and inspired, think about how, how you would like to see yourself act and then transform that into some simple guidelines that you can stick to when things are rough. So to me, that's, again, all about how do we slow down and reflect and that we get to create it. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's beautiful. Like, yeah. imagine, dream, what would you want to create? And this makes me think of the work of Alok Menon, who is this amazing gender expansive um, educator, poet, activist uh, out in the world who has a lovely, adorable, teeny tiny book called Beyond the Gender Binary. And in that they talk about the way gender boxes and gender stereotypes limit our creativity. And so part of this is what do we need to allow ourselves to break out of? And mm -hmm. so this idea that all of us are impacted by that, by having those expectations that come from society, come from our families, come from whatever other aspect of the culture that's influencing, influencing us. And the gift is that we get to slow down and decide which of those things do I like? Which yeah. ones do I want to keep? Where do I want to be more creative and expansive? What could that look like for me just thinking on my own? And then the awesome thing is you get to talk to other people about it yeah. and co-create something that is even more expansive and interesting that you've never thought of. So yeah. that's some of the, like where I love some of the language mm -hmm. in there and yeah. again, do not love the title. Yeah. Cause right. I mean, reflecting on what you're saying, faking it is just not valuable. It's no. just not, there's no value into, into doing that. And what you're sort of looking at is like that idea of staying true to you is valuable mm -hmm. and figuring out, right. Again, what is true to you is part of that process. Mm -hmm. and, and so really looking at, yeah, just, it's not some like cool designer thing that you want to sort of you know, fit into yes. it's, it's not, yeah, there's no, it's not this mold or ideal. Oh my God. I love how you just put that. That's what fake it or tell you make it suggests like, Ooh, we've got shiny new relationship anarchy. Can you fit? Yeah. Fake it till you make it right. If we don't read the actual words and if all someone saw was the principle, I think that's what they might walk away with. And that feels really gross. Yeah. And I don't think it's true again, much love and gratitude to Andy for writing and translation and having this out there. And it was a different time and you know, whatever. Yeah. But I don't like it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, so some of the things I kept thinking about as as I was trying to imagine, like how oh, I'm now using the word I want to replace it with. <laughs> yeah. But I was trying to think about what would I relabel this? And I'd love to know if you came up with some ideas. I want to call it um, imagine it and practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Um, because it centers the idea that we have to imagine it. And it's always going to be a practice. Yeah. So yours is much more eloquent than mine because of where, because I, the concept that I was going with was you can't do it all at once. Um, you mm -hmm. can't, and you can't do it all the time. Oh. <laughs> right. Can it was you like, say more about that? 
Yeah. So uh, I think what I was also reflecting on is this idea, which I love and I do want to spend more time on, like probably in a couple minutes, but like this idea of being the superhuman. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, what Andy says is, um, you know, it sometimes feels like you need to be some complete superhuman to handle all the norm breaking mm -hmm. involved. And so, again, it's like if this is a new way of thinking for you, even if it's an old way of thinking for you, you can't practice and again I love your practice idea like you it's not going to happen all at once mm. and you it, it's not going to happen every single moment of every single you know time in your life like from every, moment to right, moment or even work in every relationship right exactly and so that's where mm. I was thinking of it from that perspective and so that was sort of my my concept of it I mean I think that idea of Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a lot that you're pulling in there that feels super important of, and I'm like, is that another principle? Are we suggesting a new principle? I think maybe this idea of, uh, yeah, I don't know what you call it, but that it's not going to work all the time or in all relationships or in all contexts. When you're doing norm breaking, there may be spaces where you feel like I have to participate in the norm or the expectation mm -hmm. because of the kinds of ties I have or because the judgment I might get or because it's not safe. Yeah. And so maybe you're not out about the kinds of relationships you're forming or you're, um, again, and, and in this logic, I'm thinking of the ties we feel obligated to keep. So yeah. I'm personally thinking about family dynamics, you know, and not your chosen family necessarily, but the people you feel beholden to based on other expectations and obligations in our culture and yeah. cultural norms. And so if those, if you want to maintain those ties and certainly as like a queer gender queer person, there's stuff that some of us feel like we have to shove down and hide about our lives mm -hmm. and that that's a survival strategy and keeping the peace and all that honoring. Yeah. And I just, yeah, like that feels like a big part of this conversation. Like, yeah, you can sit around and imagine it and you can practice it. And sometimes you, I mean, I do think at the end, that's what Andy's talking about at the close of this principle of like don't what's the word never, never reproach which I'm like whoa I don't use that word but you know, yeah essentially don't make yourself feel bad if there's moments where you are conforming to the norm right and I think we could that feels really important to expand and hold like hold with care and yes. compassion yes because I think another place that this can crop mm -hmm. up really easily right is in your place of work your place oh, of employment gosh. so you know where people want to and I think are doing it in like with true genuine interest for the person behind the worker kind of idea where it's just like you know what's your family structure like at home or who is like are you partnered or something like that in a lot of these questions or they usually say like are you married or do you have kids like there's these things where people are asking questions because they do want to get to know you and inadvertently because of yeah. the way they're potentially their world is structured or just because of the way the society is structured, they're really asking questions that have this assumption of like either the goal of, or you're currently living in sort of this monogamous relationship yeah. where you have offspring or something like that. They don't ask questions of like what your family structure looks like. And if you happen to live in or be in like some kind of poly community, yeah. usually you're not going to be like, well, I live with my three partners. <laughs> like, like that's usually not what they're expecting you to bust out. Right, right. And so making decisions of like, do I share all that or do I not? And totally honoring that it might 
you might decide that you've got the partner who becomes like your workplace person. Yeah. And that's who people see over and over. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really interesting and important example. Yeah. Well, even when I went to my last holiday party at my job and I brought one of my very, very dear close friends, uh, everyone. So it was lovely on some level that they assumed that this person was my like girlfriend yeah. kind of thing and partner. And you know, definitely it was a very welcoming environment for that. And understandable because I know, I know who you, I know who went with you. Yes, and I exactly. know they are very snuggly and you are very cozy together yes. when you're out because you have lots of ways you express your intimacy and affection for each other, which yeah. is beautiful. Yes. So yeah. So then they, so then they like later would ask me like, oh, how's your partner doing? And I'm thinking, well, I don't think that's who you mean. And <laughs> but I just, yeah. So I'm just like, fine, thank you. Or just like this thing. But yeah, so they, they form this sort of assumption yeah. and that's okay. And so sometimes you want to correct and sometimes you want to educate and it's, I mean, that's exhausting. And I feel for people who navigate through spaces where they're the person that's like, I mean, I'm thinking of people who uh you know who are racialized or people who like right so they like have a harder time hiding and so therefore it's like there's no choice right there's yeah. the fighting or not fighting microaggressions or assumptions or things like that like i that was the other piece that i kept hearing in this is sort of like you know wanting like sometimes you want to educate people mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not like you don't have the energy to do so and it's not your freaking obligation like it's not your job to educate people yeah well and i think what's great about this that's embedded in here is that little nugget talk to and seek support from others who challenge norms and i just think this brings us back to the idea that you know to some extent i experience this principle as being one of like solo work like you gotta imagine it you gotta then and then practice 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 right that's a very solo process. And also baked in here is this idea of like, you don't have to do it on your own, right? Of yeah. You can find community of other people, whether we're talking about folks who are deeply committed to prioritizing cl the dear close friends and romantic ties, or it's people who are doing E&M through a relationship anarchy framework, right? Like there's all these different ways we can find communities that are out there and hopefully experience support. Or we can read books and blogs and yeah, watch YouTube things. Right. So finding, yeah. And so e whether you're either finding that actual community and getting that support or you have a good uh, friend, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. colleague or whoever just that likes to listen and explore mm -hmm. outside those things, right? With that open, open, open heart and open mind, right? Like okay. that's also true too, that if, if you're thinking, you're listening here and you're like, well, I don't know other people who are talking about relationship anarchy. It's like, who would you feel safe going to be like, you know, do you ever think about like your relationships with your best friends or, you know, and how those, you know, like, hold, like hold up to or compare to your relationship with a primary partner or, you know, like, how do you feel about when people newly partner and then dissolve the friendship? I don't know. Like just asking those questions and, and having really like, thoughtful and safe but fun dialogue about thinking about those things and I think even just there. I think even just asking people like hey how to, I'd love to know more about like the friends in your life like who are the people you care about that you and how do you negotiate time like it's actually asking what are someone's practices yeah 
And then from there, hopefully we'll create some openings of like, yeah, I've been really struggling with thinking about this and this as I go this way. Like, what do you think? Yeah. And so, cause I, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of these conversations with some friends recently and it's, it's so interesting. We don't talk about, you know, particularly for those of us who are, you know, single parents or people with young kids, even if you have partners you're raising them with, like, there's a lot of stuff that, again, we, as we've talked about in earlier principles, time is limited, yeah. energy is limited. And so how do people navigate this, even if they're not embracing relationship anarchy and being able to create the space to just hear from more people? Because um, these aren't common conversations we're having, at least not in our worlds as adults. Yeah. Um, and so how do we open those doors? I think it's really lovely. Yeah. And I also want to say I do still contend contend, whatever. I have I have a feel. <laughs> I do think it's really important to make this space for you to for each of us to think on our own about some of these things. Mm-hmm. Yes, be in dialogue. Yes, learn from others and consider their practices. And there's some important kind of anchoring. And to me, this goes back to the idea of the core values. Um, as much as I was like, core, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like now like oh, core. Yeah. Because I think it's so easy especially depending on different gender identities we hold or ways we've been socialized in this world to relate to others. It's, it can be really easy to be influenced by other people's ideas. Yeah. And so what are the opportunities you're making and how are you going to keep giving yourself room to be expansive, to be creative? If all you've been socialized into and all you've practiced your whole life is monogamous, romantic, sexual, drop the platonic, right? If, if all you've done is that sort of version of things, yeah. it's going to be harder to think outside of it. Oh, yeah. And so giving yourself space to like independently keep working on that, yeah, um, I think is really important. Right. So yeah, that being that intent, like making the change intentional and like listening to your gut, right? Mm-hmm. Like in that sense too, right? So I, I love how you're saying, yeah, let's spend, you know, spend time with yourself or whether it's before and during and after kind of idea of in all these stages of how you're interacting with people, right? Because mm-hmm. learning how to sit with what is feeling good, because right, when you start to think critically or open your yourself up to other options, right? You're breaking down walls that were like, that provided safe safety and security in some ways because and also not in other ways. I think that's so important to acknowledge that the structures we use, the norms we have, even when they're stifling and limiting us, they can make our brains feel a little chiller because it's like, ooh, I know what the rules and expectations are. Mm-hmm. When you break all of that, it's a lot. And yeah. there's another principle that we'll get into this more um, yeah. around how how to navigate this and, and things to be holding on to and being kind to ourselves about. But yeah, yeah, this is hard. Yeah. It's not little. <laughs> yeah, right. Change is hard. And it's hard for many people and in all different kinds of changes. And you can really benefit from change, right? Like there's all the, you know, whatever the larva into, you know, into the butterfly changing transformative Phoenix stuff. Chrysalis. Yeah. 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 And I'll transfigure. What is, what is that called? Transfiguration? No, no. That's like the Christ thing. Transformation. I don't know. There's like a word for anywho. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I feel bad that we're at like a biological research center. Right. (laughs) And we're like, Oh, what's that? What's the caterpillar and a butterfly thing called? Right. (laughs) Metamorphosis. Oh yeah. Right. Right. The Phoenix into from the ashes into like, there's all these, you know, lovely, beautiful metaphors and myths and actual things that happen in nature to describe it. But it is right. It is energy. It is effort. And so 
I, yeah, that's the part that I do like about this principle, the idea that that becomes, yeah, the idea that somehow that got encapsulated into fake it until you make it. I'm like, what the, wait, what the hell does this happen? Right? Yeah. Um, so I jotted down some questions that I thought might be useful oh. um, for trying to approach this. Oh, and yeah. so, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. What, I'd love to know what you think of them. Um, so one is just inviting us to think about, you know, how do we create the most loving version of our lives? Like if I center and say, I want to imagine a future where I feel the most loved I've ever felt. Wow. What would I do? How would I organize my life? Whoa. Who would I spend time with? What would I do? Right? Like if I start breaking down what I want that to look like, I thought that was both a challenging and a fun question. So that's, yeah. that's I just got goosebumps thinking about like even exploring that. That's that's amazing. And I think I I do also want to acknowledge for those of us who have had some not so loving ties that have impacted us, like that can be scary and can be painful to be like, oh, maybe that's possible, or do I even possibly trust that I can ever find that with anyone? And so those, you know, those of us who have those kinds of histories, it's okay if this takes longer. Yeah. Or if it needs to be done in a community with other folks who've survived the things that are similar. Or a or a mental health professional. If you can get access to it, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, which we, of course, all deserve. And unfortunately, yes. do not all have access to. True. Um, so that was one question I thought of. Uh, and then going to some of the things you've been raising, too, of thinking, how do we keep being expansive about what contexts and settings we're considering when we think about where love could show up? Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, how do we build relationships, communities, workplaces um, that center love from a compassionate and humane stance front and center? Like, what would we offer to each other? Like, mm -hmm. if I'm entering my workplace, how am I arriving? Um, am I bringing generosity of my heart or my talents? Am I thinking about this is the skill or the care I want to en enter this space with mm -hmm. as an offering? Yeah. Maybe no one will want it, but like, <laughs> make it available. Yeah. But also in that work. Because again, limited energy. Yeah. Also being really clear, I don't have to offer everything of myself. Right? right. I think there's the ways that compulsory monogamy and the onesie tie, you're expected to be everything to that person. And so we don't learn to identify where am I going to say like, and here's where I need to take a break or here's the edge of what I want to offer in this context, mm -hmm. because that's what's right size for me, given the like all those spaces I'm in or all the ties I have. And so again, it's, not only thinking about best friends or uh, we're trying not to use best <laughs> superlatives, many superlatives, yeah, resisting our hierarchies. So in, in addition to thinking about friendships and dating or romantic or sexual ties, also thinking about workplaces where we volunteer, where we go practice spiritual, whatever stuff. Um, and that's not meant dismissively. It's just, I don't have good words for spirituality practices. Yeah. I apologize. Um, and also thinking about maybe where, you know, even our, like, if we have a sport group, like anytime we're in connection with other humans, mm -hmm. how are we thinking about what we hope to receive and what we hope to give Yeah, and being just continuously mindful of that and, um, maybe speaking about it a little more. Yeah. And it can show up in odd places. Like, I think a lot of the things you're talking about in terms of safety and vulnerability and things like I can get in my karaoke family in mm -hmm. my karaoke community, which will you tell people more about what karaoke family is and yes. what you try that? Yes. Not everyone might know. Oh, that's true. So I, uh, I think I've mentioned in, in some previous seasons, but I am a karaoke enthusiast to say the very least, <laughs> but, um, 
uh, so over time, um, I've developed, you know, what I call my karaoke family, which are the people that I sing with the most often. But even I also um, went around uh, the U.S. when my best friend died. Uh, and uh, as a way to grieve, I drove around the country and, and sang karaoke in all 50 states. And so the karaoke culture and community is can be very powerful in that you are up on a stage and you are singing your guts out. Now, you might not remember if you've been too inebriated <laughs> to do it, but you're still singing something that you're enjoying or something like that. You're you're being extremely vulnerable. You're leaving yourself up there for all sorts of um, potentials and, strangers, strangers. and ridicule. Yeah. And the vast majority of the time, people will clap even if you completely sucked. Like you could have sung horribly, you forgot the notes, you were, you know, like I've seen this happen, like you're too drunk to even read the, the words on the screen, like all these things. And when the song is done, there is applause, yeah. people clap. And I think that is just this really interesting way of how to show up and how to feel vulnerable and what does feel good. Yeah. And so these pieces, it's kind of related to this idea so is it really are you you're not faking it you know, it's not the fake it till you make it part it's just this idea of showing up there's an open space here and in this most unexpected place yeah. i guess is sort of where because i almost lost track of why was i bringing this up <laughs> but this idea of like you can find compassion you can find openness you can find like odd sense of safety in Really? odd ways and in, in weird places unexpected right? places yeah yeah well and it's also because i think you know that's the community that's the way the people who are coming at like if we're all mutually showing up doing the vulnerable thing right it's that shared act of vulnerability right off the bat yeah that's awesome i mean you know so i don't i'm too chicken to sing as we've talked about a lot <laughs> um but i love going to karaoke i've been to your competitions i've you know, we've, we've gone karaoke where I'm your cheerleader Yes. <laughs> um, and being in that space and feeling the energy and the things people offer each other. And when like, then the whole room starts singing together and things like yeah. that. And there's just this sense of mutuality, sense of care, sense of delight in each other. And I feel like there's a way and not everyone who shows up at karaoke is thinking this way, but I think yeah. there's a way Folks walk into that space thinking, how am I going to make this delightful? Yeah. Right. I want to have fun. I am doing karaoke, not because it's serious. Right. <laughs> I am doing this to have fun. And I wonder yeah. if we carried some of those ideas across different relationships of like, I want it to be positive. What insert emotion, right? Yeah. Or insert descriptor. Like it might be a slightly, maybe it's not always silly or delightful or whatever. Um, but figure out what those words are yeah. that you're working, that you want to turn toward what's the thing you want to turn toward in the space that you're in the relationships you're forming yeah and i think the other fun uh piece of the karaoke thing is that it's you can't necessarily assume so you walk up to these um like you walk up to the microphone and no one knows what song choice is going to be yours and i think i love that sort of idea mm. too so there's this um you know so like you can't map to a norm so Ooh, if you watch, okay. right, like you yeah. can, so like I have seen like a, like a woman or femme presenting person in their, like what looks to be their sixties, white, busting out pretty hard, like good gangster rap. 
you know, and doing that. And I've seen like very young, uh, yeah, young people who appear to be a person of color. I don't know what, but like, then just like sit on a stool and just do a nice throaty meal diamond. And you're just like, whoa, you tilt your head. You're like, this is amazing because I did not, I'm, I, you know, I'm recognizing my stereotypes as I say these things, but like, oh yeah, like this is the kind of, you know, the thing that they are presenting, they are gifting me, they are offering as their part of themselves. Right. And so that piece I think is also really great. And so looking at these, like, yeah. So like karaoke, really, we can just learn a lot of the lessons from possibly (laughs) relationship anarchy. Just look at the karaoke community. Right. I love that. Yeah. And I do think, right. It's how do we, and gosh, it is hard to figure out how do you get those aha moments where you're like, oh, I had a total stereotype. Thank you for disrupting that. Hell yes. Yeah. Right. And so I think it can be hard and it might feel hard for some folks to sit down and think about how would I ever dream of something other than monogamy? How would I ever dream of something that doesn't involve seeking a person who's going to check all these boxes Mm -hmm. and imagining, you know, what that could look like. And so it's okay. Right. Like all we can do is show up and be curious wherever we are and stay present with where you are. And then just, you know, keep knocking on the door, peeking in the room, whatever it is for you. Yeah. And starting small again, I think that's another piece of that, right? Like you're talking about imagining and practicing. And then I was talking about the sort of ideas of you can't do it all at once and all the time. And that means like taking change, right? Yeah. Starting small and doing this, like that one little piece that is different for you and exploring that. And again, checking in with yourself and trusting your gut and seeing how that all does or doesn't come together for you. And if it doesn't, that's okay. So I think the other piece you know, that we've kind of alluded to, but being really the, the, the closing line of the, um, of the, the principle is like, you know, never reproach again, that word, but yourself, when the norm pressure gets to you, um, and you know, has you doing behavior you didn't wish for, it's that self-compassion piece, right? So, right. So it's like, I didn't do it perfectly. Nope, you didn't because, we don't do things perfectly and there is no, perfect. and there is no perfect. So yeah. So that self-compassion piece, like what is the caring gesture you can do for yourself um, to make sure you're not again. Yeah. You're not faking it into this, whatever the ideal shiny thing is. Even if you made up whatever the shiny thing is, yeah. it's still, you shouldn't be trying to fake yourself into even your thing. You're just, you're experimenting. You're trying. Yeah. It's that idea. I love the, um, what is that? Uh, always a lesson, never a failure or whatever that expression is. Mm-hmm. Like that also feels like it applies. Um, and I also found myself hearing the echoes of um, the small is all, which comes is from Adrian Marie Brown's principles and emergent strategy too, of like, you know, whatever the smallest increment paying attention to, are you engaging in that experience in right relationship? However, you're defining that and co-defining that. And that it, as you practice that there, it will continue to radiate out. Um, but that we really do have to pay attention to like small as all. Yes. Those small wins. Yes. Um, small spaces, small steps. It's all okay. Yeah, it is. It doesn't have to be the grand big thing. Nope. Relation to anarchy can sound like this massive thing. Right. But it can be small. It can. Just don't fake it. Just don't. God damn it. Don't fake it. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, that feels awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, what I don't. I would love to know the story behind though. How the fuck did this get called? Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I know. Why right. for? If anyone has any insights to that, or has some comments on our episode, 
or perhaps has a karaoke story to share <laughs> and what their karaoke community means to them, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please uh, email us at the letter B, the number four, the letter U swipe at gmail.com. You can also find before you swipe uh, on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats.